Welcome to SelfDiscoveryRadio.com. With over 1,400 shows, we have the answers for you. Enjoy your listening on SelfDiscoveryRadio.com. Hi, everyone. This is Suma Nathan, your snake oil woman, with my very inspirational co-host, Bill Smokin' Dog Mackey, and we have a very special guest today. And yes, he is out of the box, as usual, are all our guests are. It's Kent Heckenlively, who is a science teacher. He's an attorney. He's a contributor editor for the journal Age of Autism. So you can imagine what we're going to be working on today and looking into autism and all the viruses that have recently become very uh, dominant in all of our lives today. He also worked for the United States Attorney Office in San Francisco, and he wrote the book, The Plague, written with Dr. Judy Mikovits, who is a 20-year government scientist and former head of the Lab of Antivirus Drug Mechanisms at the National Cancer Institute, of all things. And that became a best-selling book. So let's talk about your newest book, Kent, and what is this all about? Well, this book is called Inoculated, How Science Lost Its Soul in Autism. And it's the true story of a whistleblower at the CDC named Dr. William Thompson, who's been working at the CDC since about 1997. And fast forward to 2013, he contacted an autism parent and fellow scientist, Dr. Brian Hooker, a college biology professor at Simpson University in Redding, California. And through their series of conversations, Thompson revealed to Hooker that the CDC had investigated the MMR vaccine and rates of autism in 2001 to 2004. They had discovered a link and they had covered up that link when they published the data. Thompson eventually turned whistleblower. He has applied for and been granted federal whistleblower protection. He's turned over more than 10,000 documents to the office of Congressman William Posey, showing that this corruption and this cover-up linking vaccines to autism. And in writing the book, I applied for and was granted access by Congress to these documents. I read these documents. Those documents form the core of this incredible story of how the CDC, uh, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, knew since about 2002 that there was a link between vaccines and autism. They not only covered it up, but they used this phony study to um, keep the government from doing any further research on the link between vaccines and neurodevelopmental disorders. So I say that what I've written here is the autism Watergate story. This is the story of how people like me, who have been activists for the past 15 years, who when we review the government's research into this question, we just shake our heads because we say, this is missing. This is so incomplete. This is such bad science. And I think for so long, we've wondered, is it just bad science that's being done? Is it just that they don't want to look at the question? And lo and behold, what we come to find is that they actually did look at the question. They came up with a good plan to study the question. And then when they got the data, 
which was overwhelmingly negative, they decided to bury the data. And as for me, I think that there is no greater sin in science than lying because science has a sacred obligation to tell the truth. And so um, what I've done is put that all together and what I have been told is a, a great narrative that reads almost like a mystery or a spy thriller. And uh, we need to get these people in front of Congress. We need to get them sworn in before the House Government Reform Committee and start getting answers to why so many of our children are suffering with autism and other diseases. There's there's another interesting aspect, too, to uh, this whole uh, sudden rise in, in mental health yeah. uh, issues in general um i agree with you a hundred percent that uh vaccinations uh not only uh I, i'm a staunch believer that vaccine vaccinations don't need to be done at all it, it's the, the 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 risk benefit ratios because we know so little about a the diseases they're trying to prevent but more importantly we know even less about the side effects that these the long-term effects that these vaccinations have on the actual human species as as a as a whole in in this particular case you point out just that one aspect of it where vaccinations now are being tied to autism well vaccination has been tied to a whole bunch of other things too <coughs> but the the bigger scope of the picture isn't just the i think just on, on the vaccinations it's any time we start meddling with the natural ways in which the body's meant to fight things off um, we are causing an effect uh, in the human biological evolutionary processes. And regardless of, of what we do, every time we introduce something new into the body, such as a vaccination, we've now told the body that, well, we don't have to worry about having to, to develop these antibodies to fight diseases anymore. The more we do that, the more susceptible we come to other forms of diseases down the road. And I think... One of the things we have to start doing as a human, as as humans, is stop messing with the natural process. Figure out what makes the natural process work, and then augment that because there's ways that nature has of dealing with things. We have a rapid rise in a whole bunch of mental illnesses, not just autism, uh, ADD, ADHD, um, bipolarism. Neuro, they're they're, yeah, they're pretty well neurodegenerative diseases. Yeah. And, and a lot of these are, are triggered to neurological disorders or uh, neuromuscular disorders or some other sim there, there's some other cause in the body that's causing this to happen. But there's an even more important thing that people don't realize. And that is the body, the biological side of the human being, evolves so slowly. I mean, realistically, the human body, the physical being that we live in, is not much different than it was a few thousand years ago, evolutionary-wise. But the mind is an entirely different story. Yeah. That little sucker, it evolves every six years. So every six years of your life, your mind goes through a complete growth evolutionary process. So in one lifetime, an average person, if you live to 72, you've gone through 12 evolutionary complete stages of development, redevelopment of the human mind. The human body, to cover that amount of evolutionary ad ad advancement, that's hundreds of thousands of years. And what has happened since we started introducing a whole bunch of technologies and medicine got involved in treating human beings? 
we inadvertently, especially with the education system, what happened, the, the negative side effect of that is it stimulated the human mind's ability to advance even faster. So at any given uh, time frame, um, over, the, over a six-year period, for example, the amount of information that a child is born with to the time they're six years old, if a kid's born today, by the time they're 60 years old, their brains and their minds have got so much more information and so much more advanced than ours that they can't function in our society. They just can't function. And unfortunately, the side effect of that is is we have things like autism. Now, autism is, is specifically diagnosable. But there's also a whole bunch of things that and behaviors that emulate and look very similar to autism and you can get classified as having autism because you display these same characteristics. These are actually natural ev evolutions of the human mind. We have these huge increases in ADD, ADHD, and autism are probably the three biggest in our, in our school system right now because of the fact that the human mind is actually sitting and going like, what the hell am I doing here? This system is telling me to do and learn something I don't need to learn this way anymore. And it's a defense mechanism that's kicked in. And once it kicks in, it, it can't be controlled. You know, you're, you're, it's really unfortunate. But the kids today, this outbreak of autism, the actual numbers, the true numbers of true kids that actually have autism to the number that they actually state have autism, there's a huge discrepancy there. Because of a whole bunch of things where, like I say, it's more convenient now to misdiagnose and say, okay, based on the behaviors and everything, well, that kid's got ADD or ADHD. Let's treat them with drugs and make it go away. Well, Kent, I've read a lot of your book. I have it right here on my desk. It okay. is amazing about all the work that you've put into this. Because after all, you're like a voice in the darkness regarding all of this. And a lot of people are very, very wary of doing any of these vaccinations and oculations yeah. and all of this because it's such a scary thing and nobody really has the rundown on it. But you seem to have it. And well, that, yeah. You know, you know, I really go back to first principles, you know. Yeah. Um, and what was really interesting for me in writing the book was to go back to, to the point at which I think that science lost its soul, which was when in 1986, when the U.S. Congress passed the National Childhood Vaccine yeah. Injury Act and Reagan signed it into law. And what was really interesting in reading that was to find that Reagan actually in his signing statement had said, I am signing this law with serious reservations about its constitutionality because I don't think it has a proper separation of powers. And, you know, being an attorney, I, you know, I think that what attorneys really do is that they look at the human animal and they say, okay, how do we get the human animal and human society to function most effectively? Well, we do that with a system of checks and balances because none of us are angels. None of us are perfect. We're all in the stage of evolving. You know, we all have a tendency to highlight the good and, and downplay the bad. And if you don't have a really rigorous system of checks and balances, it's just inevitable that, you know, corruption is going to sneak in. And that's 
absolutely what's happened with the Vaccine Injury Act. I mean, what was really interesting to me was I thought, okay, here I am, an autism parent. I've worked in the communities and everything. You know, we're kind of upset because of what's happened to our kids, and we think that nobody's listened to us. But I thought, let me go to some different places that a typical autism parent or advocate might not go. Let me go and interview one of the senior judges on this so-called vaccine court. Well, lo and behold, I found out he was really a great guy in terms of telling me exactly what was wrong with the vaccine court. He tells me exactly why it isn't working. And he kind of reminded me a bit like the generals who fought the Vietnam War, who they could give you all the facts about, you know, how our side was doing, how the Vietnamese were doing. But when you ask that final question, well, should that war have been fought? They would say, well, it's not my place to answer that question. And so, I mean, it was just amazing to find out that this senior judge said the vaccine court wasn't working. I went then to a Stanford law professor who'd studied the vaccine court. Her conclusion was that the vaccine court was not working as intended. It did not provide an example for any other alternative courts. And then same thing when I asked her, well, does that mean the court should be abolished? And she said, I don't feel qualified to answer that question. And I thought, for God's sakes, I'm talking to a Stanford law professor, and she can't even defend this thing. And so what I found is that this terrible thing, this terrible law, has really caused a 30-year disruption um, in science. And, 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 you know, here I am a science teacher. I love science. I, you know, I, I dedicate my life to science. And, and it's so heartbreaking to to come to the realization that science has lost its soul in this. I mean, science is supposed to be showing us a better way to live. It's been corrupted by money, and it's not working for the benefit of people, and, and we have to take it back. Well, at least you're one of those that is trying and working on this, because I don't think anybody's even even heard of the vaccine court. I know. And it's funny because every single child in America is covered by this court. And if you went and interviewed uh, parents, I I doubt that even 5% would know that such a thing existed. It's it's just mind-blowing what you have written in this book, Inoculated, because I don't think anybody is even aware of it. Oh, sure, we've heard that it could be dangerous and we've heard of the side effects and this and that. But you know, I think a lot of us just take it for granted that some of us have to do that. Of course, I don't. I don't do any vaccinations yeah. at all. But And then there's these people, what about the older people when they start talking about the shingles vaccine and they scare the hell out of you and they show you these horrible red, ooey, goozy patches on a person's arm, leg, uh, everywhere in the body. And they scare everybody. And, you know, of course, you and I know, Bill knows, it all comes down to money. And that's the chemical companies that are advertising the shingles vaccine, which is another thing that is uh, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting because I, you know, here I am an educator. I I believe in information and, you know, I'm now presenting it in a hysterical way. You know, if you want to read my 365 page book and see that I've probably got about 450 footnotes that they can go directly to the sources and check out to see whether I'm telling the truth. So I'm providing information and I'm providing a strong opinion because I think that this is important. But 
I, I find that the other side is really fear-based. I mean, in the States, what we have is this um, advertisement that just drives me nuts that, you know, nice old grandma goes to meet her grandkids and suddenly she turns into the big bad wolf. And I'm just thinking, oh, my God, this is just this is nightmarish. And and people are swallowing this stuff. Um you know, and I always talk about the vaccine court like this. I say, you know, let's just make it simple. Let's say you're making toast at home and your toaster catches fire and burns down your kitchen. Well, you have the right to sue the manufacturer of that toaster. They have to disclose every single complaint they've gotten about toasters catching on fire. You can depose the engineers who built the toaster. And this is with a simple toaster. There is nothing even close to that for a medication that is being injected into the bloodstreams of our children. And that seems absolutely insane to me. You know, we, we have to have such a rigorous system of checks and balances for medications that we're giving to children. And, and it's just, it's crazy to me. It, 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 I, I often say, you know, before we decided that foreign terrorists didn't get to see the inside of a courtroom, we decided that vaccine injured children wouldn't see the inside of a courtroom. And I don't know about you, but you know, my vaccine injured child is, is nothing compared to Osama bin Laden. Yeah, right. And you know, Jenny McCarthy was written up and she was also on television being interviewed, talking about her son who is autistic. Yeah. And that she said that, she wants to do other things besides the vaccination that could help him. Yeah, and so and, and a, he, he, yeah. he's actually done pretty well. Has he, he's yeah, recovered she's, quite well. She's got a lot. She had a lot of flack for that. I mean, she oh, really, yeah. she really got it from all the people. And that's another thing. People are beginning to realize that a lot of the scientific research, not yours, because you have the real thing, and it's so hard to find people that are writing about the real thing today. Because scientists today, a lot of them are on the take, and I have to say that. You're not. But, you know, a lot of them are, and they're not telling the truth because they're on the take from the chemical uh, pharmaceutical companies. And that's what's so horrifying to everyone who has to deal with all of these problems. And it's not just the children. It's the older crowd. I'm in the older crowd. So what about those other vaccinations that they're talking about that they need to get? What about the flu vaccines? which everyone wants to. They advertise the flu all over the place. Every grocery store says, come in, we'll give you $10 off your purchase today. If you come in and get a flu shot, what about all those? All those a little bit more mature people and even the younger people, they're all running to get the flu shot. What about that? Well, you know, what's really interesting is I, I always try to look at historical examples of when tyrannical regimes are about to fall. <laughs> and there's, some, there's something that's consistent with all of them. And that is that they just start begging their people to do what they want them to do. And so sure. when I look at things like, you know, uh, the, the drugstore is saying, hey, get 20% off if you get your flu shot. Do this, do that, and the other thing. They are begging the American public to, yeah. to follow their lead. And, and, sure. and I look at that and I, I say, you know, I really think that it's it's primed to fall. And, and that's why I'm being so vocal. And, and one of the things that I just have to say is um, I have been so um, amazed by the response to my book from radio hosts. You know, um, you know maybe it's because I got a, a fabulous publicist, but 
I am booked on more than 50 radio shows. I've got another 20 shows, which we're trying to figure out a time to book me. And there are people like you all across the country and the world who know about this story. And they've been waiting for a time where they can, you know, where they can join the uprising. They, I feel like there's so many people out there who, who say to themselves, okay, Look, when the uprising comes, I'm, I'm going to join it. I, I don't know how to start it. I don't know how to lead it. But if somebody will start this uprising, uh, I, I'm going to join in 100%. And it's just been so um, so rewarding to me to have so many great radio hosts stand up. I, I was on Jenny McCarthy about three weeks ago, and it's really funny because oh, she, she, she has this show on Sirius XM called Dirty Sexy Funny. And uh, – uh, when I told my wife I was going to be on it, she says, "Well, which one? Which category are you going to appear under?" And I said, <laughs> "Honey, I'm going to appear under all of them, baby." Um, but um, what she did was yeah. uh, she actually uh, kept there from being any commercial breaks. So I spoke for 25 minutes without commercial breaks on her show. And, mm-hmm. and she just said, you know, look, this fight has to be waged, and I don't care if I get in trouble for it. So yeah. I, I'm. I'm finding so many people of courage uh, that are giving me a voice by putting me on their their radio shows that, you know, I'm really just kind of overwhelmed by it. And and just, you know, I I tend to have an optimistic view of humanity. And uh, uh, even though I think that so many people have been brainwashed, there are so many people out there who know that the real story isn't being told. So when something like my book comes along, it strikes a chord in them. And I don't think anybody else has ever written a book like this. That's why it's so unusual. And here you are getting the word out. And you know what? It's really about time. It really is. It, it's, a com- it's a combination of everything, though. Yeah. It's a, like I say, there's, there's things that are happening, like the, the, sure. the unjustifiable increases in all these mental health issues with children. They can't be explained. Some of them, they are explainable, but others are not. Yeah. Well, one and, of the and, things I also... And and the other the other thing that's really cool about society right now is that we're at a point now. Um, I say there, there's another wave that's coming. Up. I, I, yeah. You've read heard some of my stories. You may not have seen all of the, some of the stuff that's up there, Kent. Um, there are a lot of people just like Kent in the world right now who yeah. are going like, "Wow, I didn't realize." Like you have you have your own autistic children child. When you have that child, you think you're all alone. Yeah, and it's till you go out and you find out. Oh, well, Sam down the street, you know, it's four hours down. He's got a friend. He's his who's got a daughter who's got autism, and it is unbelievable. This is how it happened in in my own upbringing. When my parents found out that I had this mental disorder, they thought they were all alone. They thought they were fighting an uphill battle against the establishment. They didn't want to change the rules because I needed special education. I had all sorts of needs that needed to be met that the government should have been able to supply to me. And so through going out, just like you've done with your book, people now are aware, oh, wow, I'm not the only one fighting this battle on my own. Yeah. And therefore, you start connecting with them. And the next thing you know, you've got this amazing movement happening without doing really anything except telling your story. That's why I love having this radio station, because we bring people on with these stories. Because in the listening audience, I guarantee there's a bunch of people, oh, yeah, well, Jane, she's got a daughter that's got autism, or I've got another friend. So they get in contact with people that are actually as the center hubs of these uh, movements going forward. 
The reason I bring this up is that this world that we live in right now, this is a world where people are looking for peaceful alternatives to resolve world conflicts. Mm-hmm. And it does, believe me, folks, it does work. The stuff that when, when I went through as a kid from the age of eight, um, we started off with a grassroots group of parents that had kids that had mental challenges going to school. And we needed special education. We got together. And yes, our system, our political system, we live in one of the greatest countries. I'm a Canadian, but it's very similar to you guys. We live in two of the greatest systems in the world. Because all you have to do is get together with a bunch of people and approach your government and keep applying pressure on them. It doesn't matter how big the group is. We beat up some pretty damn big people to get what we wanted. We got special education introduced across the country. We only wanted it. We only fighting originally in one province, in one school district, in one school. But we ended up with a national special needs and education program developed there. Because of, you know, five parents got together and the next thing you knew, we had 50,000 parents. Yeah. And we all just went through the government. The government, the government works, but it works slowly. So these, these transitions, the problem with us today is we, we, there is no instant fix. But yeah, unless we start uniting and getting behind people like Kent saying, well, I'm going to help you fix this. And I don't care if it takes five years. And I don't care if it takes 10 years. Right. And all the research. You, you have well. to just keep building the momentum because eventually the system collapses. Yeah. And the system's well, got a whole bunch of parts in it right now. They're about to collapse. All it needs is a group of people coming together and say, this is going to collapse. And this is an alternative. You have to come together with a viable alternative to what already exists. And that viable alternative has to offer better solutions. So, yeah. the, Go ahead, Ken. It, you know, I was going to say a couple things. One of the things yeah. is, so the book is about uh, vaccines and problems in children. But one of the things that was really interesting in the later part of the book is that uh, Dr. Hooker talks about how Dr. Thompson asked the CDC to look at the data on vaccines in the elderly population and rates of Alzheimer's. And he was denied the right to look at those documents, which, you know, just should set off all sorts of alarm bells. So, you know, in my first book that I wrote with Dr. Judy Mikovets, Plague, she is just a world-class immunologist. And I said, you know, Judy, okay, we've done all this stuff. What do you think? And she said, I think vaccines are terrible in kids i think vaccines are terrible in adolescents um, i think vaccines are terrible in the elderly population because your immune system is not is starting to to fail and she goes maybe in a completely healthy adult looking at you know an absolutely overwhelming you know, the terrible viral disease, there may be something, but I'm not even ready to say that because it hasn't but, been studied. But the thing and is, so, you, you just hit the, 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 the whole argument as to why they use these vaccines. You said if you were the absolutely perfectly healthy, normal, advanced superhuman being, well, guess what? That person probably wouldn't get disease anyway and doesn't need the vaccine. Well, it, right, and and that and that's the quandary that we have in this whole scientific yeah. world is that we, we're building this model based on the absolute human, what the absolute human being is supposed to be. And then we have all of these things that we patch together because we're not that human being. Yeah. And, and in the process of doing this, we're, we're so concerned right now with the impact of, 
okay, I'm going to vaccinate my kid today so it doesn't get a flu tomorrow. Yeah. But what we don't realize, every time we put something into the human body that says, okay, and it, it affects our, our, our immunological, immunological systems in the body, we start telling the mind to start shutting down all of our antibody productions. It says, okay, cool, I don't have to learn, I don't have to develop all organs in my body to produce everything I need to do to fight a common flu. Because you keep injecting stuff into me telling me I don't, don't need to do anything to cure flus. So what we're doing is we're causing a de-evolution of the human species. If we don't stop before it's too, we go too far, you can't reverse that process. It's irreversible. The more we keep doing this, the worse we get as a species. We're bringing about our own extinction through trying to preserve our own fragile life and, and eliminating our dealing with having a common flu, for example. The, the, the monumental arrogance of man in yeah. this field is is overwhelming. And it, it was kind of interesting in my first book, Plague, because that looked at the question of chronic fatigue syndrome and autism. And it, and it was basically this. So this doctor was finding um, that in patients with chronic fatigue syndrome and autism, there was this mal- previously undiscovered mouse retrovirus hanging out in human beings. Well... Lo and behold, what did they grow? A lot of the vaccines, and they grew them in mouse tissue. And so this opens up the question of, well, what happens when you grow vaccines in animal tissue, and then you re-inject that into human beings? Are you, in effect, giving, you know, you, you, you know, quite honestly, if you look at it from a pure scientific view, I understand the concept of passaging a virus through different animal species as a way to weaken that virus. I understand that. The problem is, what else do you get along with Along with it. You're rebundling it. And so it was kind of interesting because uh, one of her, Judy's mentor was a legendary figure in retrovirology. He was actually on the team that discovered the first human retrovirus. His name is Frank Rossetti. And so I said, Frank, I said, you know, look, let's look at this thing, you know, big picture. I said, I understand the whole idea behind vaccination, but really what you're doing is you're taking a, a virus from that you've got from a human being, you're putting it through animals, and then you're re-injecting it into human beings. How do you know that something hasn't hitched a ride that might cause a lot of trouble? And he says, it's really interesting you ask me that because when I was a young man, I asked that same question. And the answer I got was that the human being is the epitome of evolution and we could handle anything that came from an animal and frank said you know as an older man i understand the incredible arrogance of that statement who are we to mess with things like that and you know and it's kind of you know i i keep saying that you know i'm fighting this very scientific battle this very battle very much on the physical world but i also think that this is a spiritual battle um and and, you know i look to people in history to say okay who are the people that i think have done a good job fighting in a very humane non-violent way and so i i keep finding myself coming back to people like gandhi people like nelson mandela people like martin luther king and, and i've kind of broken it down to three simple ideas that uh, that Nelson Mandela talked about. He, he talked about Satyagraha, which is a Buddhist concept, which means I walk the path of truth. I will tell the truth, and I will not be dissuaded from it, and 
the, the fact that I have dedicated myself to telling the truth means that when people hear me, even if they don't understand exactly what I'm talking about, there's something about the fact that I am speaking the truth with, which resonates with them, even if they may not understand the details. What's even Second, really, excuse me, it's not even just whether, when you speak the truth, what's really amazing is you get the, the person's truthful response to it. They don't necessarily have to accept you as being, telling the truth. They don't have to accept it as being true. But when you talk in truth, then others get to formulate their own truths. It, it's really yeah. a unique concept. And it, yeah. it, it, you know, Gandhi was an amazing human being. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I watch Richard Attenborough's film about Gandhi, you know, like every year or so, just to remind myself of like, okay, what does a principled fight against evil look like? Um the second principle that I always like is called ahimsa, which means I, I'm I'm doing my t- truth. I'm tr- doing, but I understand that even my enemies have a spark of the divine in them, and yeah. I'm really not seeking to hurt them. If they come after me, I'll defend myself. But um, you know, I, I recognize that they are human beings also with the spark of the divine, and and you know, except for some things happening to me, I might believe as they did. But the third principle that I like that that uh, Mandela talked about. And I, I think that this is something that over the past 15 years I've been on this fight, which has been lonely at times because, sure. you know, my, my friends mm-hmm. and family will, will think that I've become anti-science or, you know, that I want children to die or that, you know, I'm essentially a, a terrorist by saying don't vaccinate your children. Um, it, the concept is Ubuntu, which means we are who we are through other people. And I think that that's been one of the most difficult things is the fact that, you know, you have these relationships that you have, you know, nurtured all your life. And suddenly because you're on the other side of this issue, you know, people turn away from you. They won't even look at the things that you want to present to them. I, you know, I, I, I uh, was a movie captain for the movie Vax from Cover Up to Catastrophe. Oh, okay, uh, and I've heard of that movie also. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's wonderful. And, and basically this case, this book goes along with that uh, to a great extent because it's the same story, but I, I go off in some different areas. But, you know, I invited two of my best friends to come and see it, and they said they wouldn't even spend money to go and see it. And, you know, I was just floored because they're highly educated people. But sometimes I think that, uh, you know, education makes people really stupid. Now, was that movie banned? Um, you know, it has been uh, accepted at film festivals and then taken out of the film festivals because yeah. of pressure. But it sure. really has been an amazing success because it's got so many people to see it. So pro- yeah, I think probably over 100,000 people have seen it already. And, uh, you know, it just keeps going. That's fantastic because people really need to learn and they need to learn the truth. And you yeah. are telling it like it is because it's so exceptional that you are on other shows and getting the word out because people really need to get this known because there is so much controversy. There's so much na 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 and there's so much on television what they're promoting all those drugs and all those vaccinations and every time you walk into a store it's there. It's just something that people have to get acquainted with, have to understand that the truth is there. Yeah. And you've got it. I think there's a I tell you, it's so funny because we always joke that when autism parents, you know, meet each other, we have to tell our stories of like, okay, how exactly did your kid get damaged? You know, what what happened? I, and you know, it's it's because we're we're shell shocked and battered. 
that I have to say, in talking to the, going on these radio shows, I think I've done about 20 of them so far, it seems like so many of the hosts have to tell me their own stories of like, let me tell you this that happened to me, or let me tell you this, yeah. friend. Yeah. And it's 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 mm-hmm. wonderful. It's like this. I, I feel like you know I'm entering into an, a new Ubuntu where I've got all of these wonderful radio hosts who, you know, I spend an hour or so with them, and I, I feel like I've got a new friend, and and uh, they they were were fellow warriors for the good. Well, that's that's why I enjoy doing this. I, I like I said, I've, you've seen some of my work. I, I do this. I got dragged. In. Actually, is one of the, I'm one of the owners of the radio station itself. Uh, and I would never thought of becoming a radio host until I had to help Sue out because my partner went on holidays and I was recording. And uh, it, it's been it's been a really amazing experience being able to meet people like you because what it the the show that we've put together tends to draw a lot of people like yourself who are very vocal and what I say grassroots, but not grassroots like tree hugger type grassroots there's a we're, we're at a level now where we talk grassroots organization starting up the level of sophistication that we start at nowadays is much higher than it's ever been in the past yeah um i mean we have a lot to be thankful of uh, you and i in the battle that we're fighting right now because we're third generation now of starting these grassroots type alternative health and health awareness things up the pioneers are people like Suma, who started out when, you know, naturopathy and all this stuff and homeopathy and holistic medicines and, and all of these things didn't even exist. I mean, it was outlawed. Um, and, and so we've got we got this great platform now that we actually can springboard from because we're the 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 infrastructure beneath us is there to support us to move forward. I, I, I got this great story from a radio host the other day who is a naturopath, and she said that she moved from Arizona to uh, New Orleans because she wanted her kids to go to Loyola like she had. And so she says before she'd even opened her practice in New Orleans, she was summoned to the Capitol by a medical board. Yep. And she said she literally walked in, and there were these got old boys sitting there with their feet up on the desk, and they said, so, you want to open a naturopath office here in Nolens? She goes, yeah. And he's, they said, uh, well, we're just trying to figure out what felonies we can charge you with before you even start practicing. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I just thought, I just and how thought, long ago was that? How long that, ago that was, was right, it? Right, right before Hurricane Katrina. <laughs> she said a week really? later, Hurricane Katrina hit. And, uh, yeah, they still um, think we're snake oil. That's why I yeah. call myself snake oil, because they still think that. They still want to get us. The doctors won't talk about it, even though the Cancer Institute is recommending certain herbs for cancer and all this. And the Cancer Institute itself, the big, big time one, they really do say a whole bunch of things that could be helpful besides chemo and radiation. They really do. But the doctors aren't listening because they're being paid off. And the American Medical Association, they won't have anything to do with it because you have to go with their doctrine. And we've been fighting this for 50, 60 years. So I know how it feels. I know yeah. how it feels when you are alone in this fight, Kent. I know yeah. exactly how it feels because I've been fighting this since the early <laughs> 1960s. Yeah. And I yeah. know. And you know what? I went on just like you. You didn't care what anybody else said. You were going to do the research. You were going to have all these other special people from the government agencies and so forth working with you on this. And you're getting to them with the research that they have, which they denied already, because it wasn't even there. So you have really been right on with all of this. 
And I know that I stayed in this field when everybody called me every name in the book and everything else. And you know what? It's still there, and it's working, and you're working for it, and that's fabulous. You know, it's kind of funny because I, I, I sort of wonder about, you know, the, the personalities of, of uh, we who do this stuff. Because I had a friend of mine um, at a recent birthday party, and he, he remembered what I was like at 16 or 17 years old. And he goes, you know, Kent, you know, when all the people around us were drinking and using drugs, you, mm-hmm. you, you know, and there was all that, 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 uh, um, uh, you know, everybody was tempted. Everybody was tempted to do that. You just floated above that. You acted like it de- didn't even exist. That you just said what did what you thought was right. You didn't care. And he, he said, "You really Good. sort of changed my life because I didn't go into that." And it was sort of funny because I was thinking about it, and I, I thought, you know, it, it's just so funny because I, I don't remember myself, you know, actively fighting against it or anything. I just said. No, it's not something I want to do. I don't. I don't care, and it, it's not like I'm, I'm fighting against anybody. It's sure. kind of like I say to myself, "Well, this is the truth, so why wouldn't I say what the truth was?" And and uh, I think so many people. Uh, one of my realizations is that I think so often as people get older, what happens to them is you know they 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 are unable to hear their own voice because they may be thinking that something is wrong. But because somebody else tells them it's right and somebody else bullies them in some way, they go along with it. But I mean, what's what I I really feel that there's some sort of awakening going on out there that people are rediscovering that inner voice and saying, hey, look, if something sounds wrong to me, I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm going to I'm going to get more information about this. And so it's it's really exciting to be a part of that. I think you've always sounds like you've always been an inspiration you were an inspiration for your friend back then when you were 16 and 17 because he looked at you and he said look at look at Kent look he's not doing all this stuff and maybe I don't want to either so you were inspirational then Mm-hmm. But, but it's, it's, it's kind of funny. I, I wonder to myself, do I just not have that gene that cares what other people think? <laughs> uh, it, 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 see, it does run a lot very strong with people like us in this business, though, because we, uh, myself personally, I don't really care what other people think. But we talked yeah, about quite quite honestly there, it's about truth. This is my truth. Yeah. And, and and you don't have to exactly. believe it or not, but this is my truth. So you ask me why I can do all the things I've done in my life. Well, because I live to my truth. And that's it. I, I don't really care about anything else. My, I shouldn't say that may be poor wording, but my truth is my truth. It guides me into what I know is right and what is wrong. So, you know, like when I was a teenager and, and you know, people were drinking, using drugs, it's not like I went on a jihad against them. I just, hey, it seems kind of stupid to me, but did I spend yeah. much time thinking about what they were doing? No. I no. Didn't care. Didn't care. I mean, it's their life. That's their truth. That's what they chose to do. Let them do it. <laughs> exactly. Right? We, we hit on a really cool topic, uh, and I don't know what it's like in the States. And uh, up here mm-hmm. in Canada, um, we have, and, and it, this is where it really, this is the thing that really bothers me the most about vaccination of children, is the fact that the child has no right of, first right of refusal. Yeah. Um, the government comes along and says, well, unfortunately, that child is under the legal age and we have the right to do whatever the hell we want with them. Mm-hmm. 
And for some reason, even in your constitution, it, it is technically protected that the parents have that right. Nobody can take that right away from the parent. Yet for some reason, when it comes to vaccination, you try and refuse to let your child uh, be vaccinated. You wouldn't believe the crap you get in. Yeah. I hear there is and, a law. And that, well, There's it, a law that says you have to. That's what I'm saying. There are laws now that state you have to have these vaccinations done, which is unconstitutional. And in Canada, it's been a real pain in the ass for a long time. Uh, it's one of the fights that uh, I was involved in many, many years ago with my own children uh, as far as getting them exonerated from having to have mandatory flu shots. And now they're, mm-hmm. they're coming back and they're trying to bring those laws back in again. What they did is they've given us loopholes so we can get through them because, you know, you can use your ref- up here we can use our religious choices uh, and all that is to kind of exclude it. But as fast as we're finding ways of deflating that law, they go and write a new law that reamends it and says, well, no, we can't do that anymore because we don't care if it is a religious right for you not to be vaccinated. There is a health consequence that's greater to the human species as a whole. And we have to we have to find a way as as organizers and as speakers and and raising awareness to this is to stop our legal system from over legalizing us to death. I mean, that's what's happening is there's so many laws coming into effect. They're literally killing us. Because inadvertently, they've stripped us of all of our basic human rights. Yeah. Especially when it comes to kids. We No, kids, it's the worst things that's happened. My parents, they they did so much to fight for the rights of kids because we didn't have rights. They didn't treat us uh, as as having special needs as being children. We just treat all children as the same. We went to school. You you ate, sleep, drank. You did all the same as everything else. Children, children have rights. They have. We're all. You, every child on this planet is an absolutely unique human being. They, they, they have their own unique needs and requirements, and you can't just mandate and say, "Well, we don't care. We're going to put a law in place that says that you haven't got any rights, and we're going to vaccinate you, and we're going to make you do all of these things. We're going to force you to go to school. You're going to go to these types of schools. You're going to." Um, take vaccinations. You're going to have to take follow the medical system. Otherwise, we'll throw your parents in jail. I mean, it, it, it's a, it's a ridiculous system. And that's what has been happening it, recently, several years ago, when uh, someone in the Midwest a family had a child that they did not want to uh, give him any more. They did not want him to be uh, chemo and radiation. They didn't yeah. want that because he was getting so sick. Actually, the law there came down on the parents and took the child away. Yep. And that's exactly what you're saying. The, we, the kids have no rights. Uh, big tranny government has the right to take your child away if you want, don't want to do what they say. I, I, I want to put a little bit of a different spin on this. And here's my different spin. When the government loses power, when any mm-hmm. group loses power... What yeah. they try to do is they try to do the crackdown. Yeah. And yeah. and all of these laws are an example of this tyrannical system of government regarding health care trying to crack down on people like me um, and people like you and so many others. What we're, they're only succeeding in doing is they're making the tyranny visible. And every step they take is a step to their own undoing. Because un- unless, but seriously, unless the government 
is willing to do things like arrest you and me and put us in jail, they can't stop us. And all of the old organs of the media establishment are failing. Um, they are being propped up. It is dead man walking in the traditional media establishment. Yeah. People like you are the new media. You have so much power. You have so much influence. And together, you are re-democratizing Western civilization. And and it is it is inevitable that we will win. Uh, you've got it right. It, there's, it, it, it's gotten to a point where they, the system cannot continue as it is. People are beginning okay. to realize it. And, yeah. and it doesn't matter whether the establishment wants to see the changes happen. The, the way nature works is it will self-correct itself anyways. It's a matter of do you want to have drag it out for the next hundred years to have it continue until we can't recover from it. Or by raising awareness to it now and, and the beauty of the world as it is today, we do have all these wonderful multimedia platforms that we can jump on that we don't have to wait for a newspaper to cover an article, that we can get out and spread our voices now and start uniting, that we can build this with... I mean, when we did this in the 60s, it, it took months just to find people. Yeah. Now, now, now I can jump on the internet, and in a couple hours, I got a couple thousand people following a particular article. Yeah. Right? And, and when we have that kind of control, we, we have the ability to affect change peacefully. Yeah. Which we've never had in the past. But the thing is, what we have to do is provide more platforms and being able to bring bunches of people. Uh, it, it's too much change that has to happen. There's too many people trying to make the changes uh, as smaller groups. What we need to do is start amalgamating the people that are saying, well, your movement's here and this movement's here. Bringing all of these different groups of people together because we're all fighting the same war. Well, I, I I always say we have to unite the tribe. That's what I say. You have to, there's a whole bunch of these little tribal leaders that are running around, and yeah. we all have our little followings, and and we can't yeah. take it on all on our own. But again, one of the things I'm finding in this new world order that's coming out of this is a lot of these new tribes, the new leaders have such egos that they don't want to yeah. really, they don't understand the ideology of collaboration. Yeah. Right. So well, they want to they want to change the world their way, which is basically the same thing I'm doing. But I I speak in a different language than you. Yeah. I, I'm fighting for the same cause. The net result is we're doing the same thing. I don't want to be supreme leader. I just want to unite us so we get the it's a it's a law of numbers. The more yeah. people you get fighting a common goal, the the stronger chance are you succeeding. And I always say that this is this is really a broad based movement because I yeah. always say, you know, if you're left wing and you fear the power of corporations, that's great. If you're right wing and you, f you fear the power of government, that's great. But you have to understand the monster we're fighting. The monster we're fighting is corporations hand in glove with government, which should terrify everybody. And so, you know, I always say I am so, uh, you know happy to join forces with the anti-gmo people that's great that's wonderful yeah. because yeah. that's a, that's mm -hmm. the same kind of fight i understand that you know i gotta fight my fight but oh my god i'm am i gonna link hands with you you betcha um and so 
I, and I also find myself saying like, okay, let me look at how many ways the the vaccine issue is bad, not just science. Okay, so you know, my, I'm I'm science, but let let's just look philosophically, religiously. So mm-hmm. if you are pro-life, well, many of these vaccines are grown in aborted human fetal tissues and then injected into your baby who you decided to have. Okay, <laughs> so that's, that should terrify you. I don't hear the Catholic Church raising any qualms about that. You know, if you are pro-choice, well, you believe that you should have the decision whether to have a child or not. And that child comes out and is born, and suddenly the government is telling you that you don't have the right to decide how that child is cared for. Those things don't go together. If you're Muslim and you avoid pork products, well, that's great. I, I'm hey, more power to you. But lots of these pig, lots of these vaccines are grown in pig cells and then are injected into your Muslim children. Shouldn't you worry about that? You know, if you are vegan, and you know, I've got some very good friends who are vegans, and. And they say, I can't understand why we can't get the community to understand that these vaccines are grown in animal cells. And here we do this, this great job of avoiding all animal products. And, you know, we roll up our sleeves to get injected with animal products. Yeah. And so there are so many ways that we can join together. You know, uh, I'm fine for the tribes to, to keep their own beliefs. So. You know, if, yeah. if I'm yeah. if I'm more concerned about I'm worried about the government, you're just concerned about the power of corporations. Hey, that's great, but let's mutually support each other and fight this monster. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's, I, cool. that's the only that's the only way that the, the change is going to actually uh, come about is by uniting it and working because as we need a common to come front. Together, we need to come together to get the world to know. <laughs> and you are Kent. That's what you're doing with your books. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's it's not it's great having people like you on the show that. That are actively involved in it and are looking at peaceful ways of resolving the conflicts, um, because it's it's the only way that we can make things work. I mean, Martin Luther King was an amazing human being, but some of the side effects of his peace movement actually caused a lot of violence and upset in the United States. And yeah. what we have to be very careful of moving for that we don't have that same negative effect. Yeah, where we create all this good but the net result is is somehow along the way it gets misconstrued and creates becoming it with a violent conflict it does. and it does. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's one of the things that i face all the time because I, I the work i do uh i i kind of lucky in in some of the people i've met and that are they're working with me but on the other side of the the coin there's so many people against me that would would get violent to a point of trying to take me down regardless of what what it, what it cost them and these are things that we have to take and, and be very aware of them and always be aware that whatever we have to do if we really want to change the world to be a better place it can't be brought about through violence violence yeah. begets violence Exactly, and it doesn't get anything done anyway. And and, you know, uh, our autism movement has not been violent, but I I will say that I feel that there's been a good deal of anger in it, and and I understand that anger because I'm. It's frustrating. You're you're up against uh, you're up against a brick wall. Like people, people. For those of you who've never been through this type of stuff, you have no idea what it's like standing up against the government. Yeah, but it, it, I find it, myself saying, you know, we, our our answer can't be to show anger no. when we go out in public. Our our 
answer has to be, and I, I love Nelson Mandela because, you know, he really launched the charm offensive and he was, you know, charming and friendly and everything. But when they said, okay, tell you what, Mandela, we'll let you out of prison, but you can't go into politics. And you say, well, thank you very much. It's been a lovely conversation. He but stood his ground. Uh, yeah, and, and we stand our ground as well. So I, I figure, you know, what this is all about is I – need to we need to bring the other side to voluntarily surrender because they know we are right we are right that science has lost its soul there is there you know there are a few things that man has created that are you know as wonderful as science and so i love science but my god it has lost its soul it has been corrupted and what we're doing is we're redeeming its soul because science is supposed to improve the life of humanity, not cause it pain. It's supposed to serve the betterment it, of humanity, and it doesn't. It's a, it, it doesn't. And so, I mean, my fight is really to help science regain its soul. Well, on our website, selfdiscoveryradio.com forward slash wise dash health, your book will be up there. Uh, your picture will be there. All the information on Kent will be up there, and you can always go up there. Our listening audience should go up there because it will be promoted, and it will be promoted on other social medias too so that we can get together and know that we're doing the right thing and we have a lot of people behind us doing the right thing. And that's the most important thing, that we have a whole bunch of us that are into this and that are willing to get the word out including the book, Inoculation, How Scientists Lost Its Soul in Autism. And this is such a very important subject because there's so many parents out there, and not just parents, older people too, that need to learn that this is not really the answer. And they need to get together to form a whole, like you said, Kent, a tribe to get it together so that we can hear our voices as well as other voices. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. We we just want to thank you for coming on and giving you and giving us all of this wonderful information with your book Inoculated How Science Lost Its Soul in Autism. And I hope everyone has been listening to this because it's been just a real wild of a blast program. And thank you so much Kent for standing up to the government, for standing up to all of that, <laughs> for all of the people that are involved, for all the people that have children, for all the a little bit more mature people that are being tortured and sick yeah. because of all these viruses that are coming down the tube. Yeah, so we all, all want to thank you for doing your fantastic work. And thank, thank you, you so much, much for coming on to our program. All right. Thank you.